All right, so we are on uh, biblical relationships and talking about friendships, friendships. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, depending on how you want to pronounce that, and Ahab and Paul and Barnabas as well. Um, but this is a this is a topic that I would say, for the most part, you guys know this stuff. You know the answers to these things. Um, so this is not going to be really anything that's new, I don't think. Um, but the issue is, is whether or not you're actually living this stuff out. That's the issue. And so the challenge this morning, I think, for you guys, as you listen to this, as we read the different passages, is are you willing to actually answer questions honestly? Because there's no doubt the Holy Spirit's going to be convicting you about stuff, whether you're being a good godly friend or the people you have in your life are good godly friends, or if there are friendships that should either just go away in your life because they're really not pushing you closer to Christ, or maybe there's different friendships and relationships that, you know, that you just need to stop spending as much time investing into. Um, and that's really only something that you can answer because, because here's kind of how I look at it. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been having conversations with my daughter uh, because, you know, she's starting public school and she had some fears about starting public school. And, and she's like, Dad, you know, when I go to school, there's going to be kids who are going to be saying bad things. And I'm like, yeah, they are. Um, they're not going to be saying things that are, that are good and that are godly and that you just have the purpose in your heart to not talk like that. And to not be that kind of a girl. You just have to, what kind of a girl do you want to be? And then just determine to be that girl. And I said, and there are some friends you're going to have that as you start making friends in school, you're going to find out that they're going to be going to church somewhere. And then you might find out that they've trusted Jesus as their Savior. And that you might get really close friendships with them, even though they go, might go to a different church. I said, and that's great. And there's other friends that might go to church, but then the things that they say and the things they do really don't show you that they actually love God. And then there's definitely going to be people that don't go to church at all. And I said, and it's okay to be friends with them, but your friendship will only go so far because you have different values. And so when you look at that concept and you look at your own life, if you're willing to at least honestly analyze and evaluate your friendships with people, the people that you are the closest to are the, is really a reflection of, of you in your maturity and where you're at in life. Because the people that you are closest to are the people that you have the most in common with. And that you share the same values with. And a lot of people aren't willing to admit that, but that is the truth. Because people that are together and they fellowship together and they have all things in common, well then, I mean, you can't tell me that you are best, 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 best friends with someone who's lost and yet you're walking with God. <coughs> it's just not going to happen. I mean, you can't, it's not that you can't be friends with them. Of course you can be friends with them, but they're not going to be your closest friends because you have different values. So it's not possible because there comes a point in time where that person who's your friend will want to do things and will want to participate in things that don't line up with your values. And so then being godly, you then have to have a separation in that friendship and say, well, I can't participate in that activity because I love God and I love Jesus Christ. Or, and this is what happens with most people, well, it's really not that bad and I'll just do it myself. And so then you choose that friendship over being faithful to Jesus Christ. And so that's the issue here. And so this is not easy, and I'm not going to pretend like it's easy. This is something that's very, very difficult. Because in general, I think most of us desire to be accepted by people. And when we desire to be accepted by people, we are willing to compromise things in our lives that we should never be compromising, that should be God's alone, but we're willing to compromise those things in order to be accepted by people. And that is unfaithfulness. That is like the very definition of unfaithfulness. That is like adultery. 
I mean, it is. You have a husband and wife who have committed themselves to each other in marriage and said, I am yours and you are mine. And they have promised to be with each other for the rest of their lives till death do us part. And yet, as time goes on, things happen and things get, they just divide the couple and, and then he's, his eyes start wandering and things end up happening and, or her eyes start wandering or whatever and something happens and then there's an affair. So it's, just, it's really the same thing. Because salvation is just marriage unto Jesus Christ. When you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have become spiritually married to Jesus Christ. And so when you decide to give up things that belong to him in order to be accepted by others, or maybe just to be not made fun of, or whatever, and you decide not to be faithful to him, you're not being faithful to your husband. You're not being faithful to the one that saved you. And so... That's a, that's, a, that's a really tough way to look at, look at it, but it is, it is something that we need to look at it from that perspective because if, if that's the case in your life, then something's got to change because think about how Christ feels. If you're willing to, to give him up in order to just be accepted by other people, how do you think he feels about that? So, I mean, if I were Christ and if I loved the person that I died for and they committed themselves to me, I would expect them to stand up for me. I would expect them to, to speak the truth about me. I mean, that's what I would expect. I mean, I expect that from Megan. You know, she actually, one of the things I love about her is that if there's anybody, if there's anybody that, 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 that hurts me or, or talks bad about me, she's like ready to beat them up. She is, because she loves me. She cares about me. She doesn't want anyone talking bad about me. And it makes her so mad. And I'm like, relax. I said, there's probably something I did that was wrong. <laughs> but that's how she is. And I appreciate that. And I love that about my wife. Because she loves me deeply. She's faithful to me. And so that's how we should be with Jesus Christ. We should. And so this has everything to do with our friendships. For sure. For sure. All right. So friendship. So um, Genesis 11, is a, we're not going to go there. But that's a great passage. Because that's where you have the Tower of Babel. And how they all came together, and they were rebellion against God, um, in rebellion against God, and they built that tower to try to make their own way to heaven. And so they had all things in common, and it was in rebellion against God, and God wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, he ended up thwarting the whole thing, and that's where all the different languages of the earth came from. And so um, I wanted to use that as a negative example of friendships, but we'll get to another negative here in a minute with Jehoshaphat and Ahab. All right, so outside the family unit, the next most influential relationship are your friendships. Uh, those that we make close bonds with often shape who we are and what kind of person we will become. Many times we don't even realize how they change us. Friendships are made through common interests, similar goals, and shared values. Let's take a look at a couple of these passages. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. If you haven't heard this one before, this is going to be a great, great nugget. This is a good, good verse. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Someone read that one for me. Go ahead, Hannah. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That is a promise. That is a promise. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. So just from that alone, if you desire to have good, godly wisdom, what do you need to do? Surround yourself with people that are wise. 
Yes, to have wisdom. <laughs> that are, that are, yes, yes, to have wisdom. Yes. So surround yourself with people that have wisdom. It really is that simple. It really, really is that simple. Because who you start hanging out with, you start to think like they do. You just do. It's just automatic. And the problem with humanity is that it doesn't progressively get better. So it's not like, well, I'm, I'm going to influence them. You have a group of four or five friends that are just straight up lost. Well, it's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to glorify God and I'll be able to witness and reach out to them. Good luck. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They will bring you down. They will bring you down. Now, it's not impossible, but almost. I mean, it is almost impossible because they are four or five of them. It's much easier for them to hold to their values than for you alone to hold to yours. Much, much easier for them to hold to theirs and they will end up bringing you down. They will. And so that's why even in a group like, you know, I I told you guys some of the stories from from Ensemble about how, you know, they were just out to defile me and try to get me to do things that I've never done in my life just because it was, they just, I don't know, they wanted a reason to keep sinning. They wanted to have a keep, they, they wanted to have a reason just to keep doing the things that they were doing. And so I was very, very thankful that at least in Ensemble, now my junior year was harder than my senior year, I mean, once Andy got saved, we had each other in that one, but that was halfway through the year. Uh, but my senior year, I was thankful that I had my friend Danny was in there, uh, my friend Andrew was in there, and um, and you know there were some things that happened that year that made it a little bit tough. But at least we had each other. We all went to the same church, and so there was at least three of us that were in ensemble together out of the fourteen or so that were part of the part of the group. And so it was really really nice, and it was much easier. It was much much easier. Um, and that's how it needs to work in your guys' lives. You need to have people in your life that, that you can surround yourself with that are wise. That's the only way it's going to happen. Because it says, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's the end of all that. So there's a lot more verses we can look up, but that's the one that's probably the most important verse when it comes to um, the whole concept of shared values, common interests, similar goals, all that stuff. So consequently, your closest friends reveal the true pursuit of your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your closest friends reveal the true pursuit of your heart. Do you really want to be godly? Well, then you will have godly friends. Do you really want to walk with the Lord? Well, then you will be walking with people that also walk with the Lord. And they will be your closest friends. Once again, it does not mean that you cannot have these other friendships. But I'm telling you, they will not be your closest. They will not. They cannot be your closest friends. All right, so let's take a look at this. Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Go to 2 Chronicles 18. 2 Chronicles 18. This one's a really, really, really good story. 2 Chronicles 18. Second Chronicles. In case you're having a hard time finding it, it's right next to 1 Chronicles. And it's in the Old Testament. So, if that helps, do what I can. All right, 2 Chronicles 18. All right, so we're going to just hit a few things here and here and there with this passage, and there's going to be some other cross-references that we're going to hit, but I really just want to highlight some of these things. So Jehoshaphat, once you find out a little bit about Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was a good, godly king. He was a very good, good man. Um, he pleased the Lord. God established his kingdom. Um, in the times where you know the other kings of Israel were doing things that were wrong, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, was doing things right. He did things right, 
and he followed the Lord with all of his heart. So he is a picture of a good, godly man. So this is a great illustration for those of you that desire to walk with the Lord. You belong to Jesus Christ. You would be like Jehoshaphat, all right? So look at verse 1. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Okay, what do we know about Ahab? Just give me give me a basic rundown of Ahab. Anybody? Come on. Ahab. What do we got? Nothing? Yeah. Yes. He was like the worst of the worst when it came to the kings. And let me show you let me show you why. Um, go over to let's hold your spot here and go to Second Kings. Second Kings. Just a little bit to your left. Chapter eight. Let's see, Second Kings eight. Now, knowing that he was evil, I wanted, I wanted you to see this because this tells you a little bit about what happened with Jehoshaphat, okay? 2 Kings 8, it says in verse, uh, let's see here, verse 16, it says, And in the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, so Ahab is dead already, so now his son has taken over, Jehoshaphat, being then king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Josh, I'm sorry, Ahab's not dead yet. I'm sorry, this is talking about something else. Okay, but anyway, Jehoshaphat, being then king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. Thirty and two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as did the house of Ahab, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet... The Lord would not destroy Judah for David, his servant's sake, as he promised to give him always a light to his children. So Jehoshaphat, when he joined affinity with Ahab, based on these verses here, you see Jehoram. It says, he had joined affinity with Ahab by allowing his son Jehoram to marry Ahab's daughter. So Jehoshaphat had a son, and he allowed him to marry Ahab's daughter. And as a result, what happened to him? What does it say? Verse 18. He did evil. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, not Judah. He didn't walk after the ways of his father. He walked after the ways of Ahab, his father-in-law, because of his wife. Very important to understand that here. Okay? And then he said, but God was going to be gracious for David's sake, for Judah, and so he ended up not taking him out at that point in time. But that gives you an idea of what happened at that point in time. Now, we've got that one. Go over to 1 Kings. We're already in 2 Kings. Go to 1 Kings. Look at chapter 21. 1 Kings 21. So now Jehoshaphat has this friendship with Ahab. Ahab was super evil. And frankly, when you look at the life of Ahab, he was just heavily influenced by his own wife. I mean, just to be honest with you, he was just heavily, heavily influenced by his own wife. He followed the lead of his wife. That's what he did. And his wife was evil. I mean, evil. Jezebel. He was married unto Jezebel. Jezebel is a picture in Revelation of Babylon. 
the kingdom of the Antichrist. I mean, out of all the women in the Old Testament, God could have used to describe the evil kingdom of the Antichrist, he uses the wife of Ahab. So that gives you an idea of how bad she actually was. But there came a point in time where God just, I mean, he was going, he was going to kill him. He was going to kill Ahab. And you know what Ahab did? He broke. He broke and he humbled himself before God. He said, God, you're right. I'm wrong. You know what God did? He spared him. I love that. I love that. Because it doesn't matter how far you go in the wrong direction. It never matters how far you go in the wrong direction. What matters is are you willing to break? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, God, you're right and I'm wrong, and he will spare you. It's the people that stubborn up and say, nope, I'm right. I'm right about this. I'm right about this. I'm right about this. I'm right about this. They will be destroyed. Those are those companion of fools every single time. So in 1 Kings 21, I want you to see this. In verse, let's see here, it would be verse 25 is what I've got. 21, 25. Yep. Look at this. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. It matters who you marry. It really, really matters who you marry. Jezebel stirred up her husband to do evil. And God specifically says there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness. And this is the part I was just telling you about where he broke. Verse 26, And he did very abominably in following idols according to all things, as, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, he heard God's judgment upon him, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishabite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth, humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So it's not going to be upon Ahab at that point in time, but it will happen to his son because there's always consequences to your sin. If it's not going to happen to you, it's going to happen to your kids. It will. And if it's not going to happen to your kids, it's going to happen to your grandkids. It will. Like sin is just not, doesn't just magically disappear. Now it does eternally, and thank God for that through Jesus Christ, but when it comes to you specifically, when it comes to your life and practically, it doesn't go away. There's always consequences to your sin. Okay, so we talked about that. Um, so he joined affinity with Ahab. He allowed his son to marry Ahab's daughter, and now they are unequally yoked together. All right, go back to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 18. Okay, so Second Chronicles 18, now verse 2. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, wilt thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be, be with thee in the war. So there's a war that obviously Ahab is fighting, and now he asks for an alliance with Jehoshaphat. And look what he says. He says, I am as thou art. And my people is thy people. So it's almost like there's no problem here, which is just weird to me. Like Jehoshaphat, he loved God and he walked in the ways of God. But yet this guy Ahab, who God said he did abundantly, just worked wickedness, sold himself. Jezebel stirred him up. And now he's like, I am as you are. And my people is thy people. No, they're not. 
they're two completely different men. One is godly, one is evil. One is the leader of God's people that are staying faithful, that are going to produce later on, as you kind of work your way down the genealogy, Jesus Christ. The other ones are going to go and, go and be going into captivity. So no, they are not the same. The people are not the same, but this is what he says. See, this is what we do, though, in our friendships. This is what we do. We have ungodly friends or friends that are involved in sin, and they say, will you go with me? I'm like, of course. I mean, I'm, we're the same. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not at all. And I'll show you the consequence of this in a little bit. So he ended up making himself equal with Ahab and committed himself to fight alongside him in the war. Now, jump over to verse, let's see here. Actually, it's just verse 4. We'll just do verse 4. Uh, verse 4. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, of the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together the prophets. King of Israel, by the way. Israel. Who's the king of Israel at this point? Ahab. Not Jehoshaphat. The king of Israel gathered together of prophets 400 men. Doesn't even say if they're from God or not, but just prophets. And said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? Now, why do you think he asked that question? Why would Jehoshaphat want to hear from somebody else's mouth other than the men that Ahab gathered together? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're going to get together your prophets, and they all say, go. But is there anybody else that we should listen to? Okay, this is a great lesson for you guys. A great, 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 great lesson. When you guys are getting counsel, number one, you need to get counsel when it comes to decisions in your life, especially major, major decisions in your life, but decisions in general. Like maybe, and it may sound weird, and it might be just a knock to your pride, I don't know, but it's, it may be one of those things where you just don't want to ask people their opinion. And generally, we don't want to ask people their opinion because their opinion might actually come against yours and you don't want to be wrong you want to be right i mean generally that's kind of how human nature works so like let's say you're getting a job or you want to find out how to get a job or if there's a certain job you should get you should ask counsel about that say you're interested in someone you want to start dating them you should get counsel about that you should definitely get counsel about that when it comes to your future and where you're going to go to school and the career you want to pursue you need to get counsel about that if you are dating somebody and it gets serious and you want to marry them, you should get counsel about that. You should. You should. You should ask people's opinions about everything. Everything. Because you do not have all the right answers. See, that was one of my big mistakes in my life. Is that I didn't ask people enough for their counsel. Because I didn't want to hear it. Because I knew what it was. And it got me into a lot of trouble. And it's going to get Jehoshaphat into a lot of trouble too. But at least he asked. Is there not a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same man is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes, and they sat in a void place at the entering in of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, son of Chenaiah, Chen, whatever, whatever those, Chena, 
had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. All right, so Ahab already knows. Ahab knows that this is the council. The messenger of the wind told Micaiah, hey, listen, before you even get there, just understand, all the prophets are saying one message. So if you know what's good for you, speak that same message. What? You can't do that. If he's going to be faithful, he needs to be faithful to what God has told him to say. He has to. Just because the majority say so doesn't make it right. This is what makes me so mad about all this homosexual and transgender stuff. Just because the majority that you hear, that you hear, that's big, that you hear, the majority that you hear, because really, in reality, they're not the majority. They're really not. There's just a bunch of people out there that are cowards not willing to tell you the truth not willing to stand up and say it because they're going to upset everybody else, but whatever. Whatever the majority that you hear, it is not true. It's not true. In fact, when you look at the Bible, the majority are often wrong. Often. Almost 99% of the time, the majority are always wrong. Think about Jesus. How many disciples did he have? Twelve. And then out of the twelve, then he had, beyond that, he had how many? How many did he have? Come on. Yep, there was about 500. There were about 500 by the time of the, of the end of his ministry that were faithful unto Christ. If you think about the upper room, there was 120. So after Christ was crucified and then he rose again in the room in Jerusalem that received the Holy Spirit, there were about 120 people. So roughly 120. Maybe 500, but there was definitely 120. 120. 120. 120 out of all the people that Jesus Christ preached to you, were the ones that he could entrust to go and get the job done. That is fascinating to me. You know how many people he preached to while he was here on the earth? Anybody? Approximately three million. Approximately three million. 120 people. Three million. The truth was not in the majority. It never is, because this is the world. It's the way of the world. This is how it works. You are always going to be in the minority. And if you can't take it, well, then you're not going to be unfaithful. Or you're not going to be faithful. If you can't take being a minority in this world, you're just not going to be faithful. Because that was the disciples. That was the disciples. All right, so let's see what happened to Micaiah. All right, so verse 14. Um, and when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, go up and prosper and they shall be delivered into your hand. Now, that was exactly what all the other prophets said. So why in the world was he saying the same message? Did he compromise? No, he didn't. Look at verse 15. And the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? <laughs> what? All right, so now Ahab wants to hear the truth. So this tells me something. All right, Ahab already knew that he was not supposed to go to war. He already knew. All the prophets said, go, you're going to win. So then Micaiah comes in and says, go, you're going to win. And Ahab's like, haven't I told you you're supposed to speak to me the truth? Okay, what do you want, Ahab? I mean, come on. 
You know you're not supposed to go. All your prophets say go. You don't want to hear from me. I come. I tell you what you want to hear. And now you're yelling at me for not telling you the truth. Psycho. This is what happens when you're ungodly. You turn into a psycho. You do. Then, verse 16, he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that thou would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? Again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall, meaning die, at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake, saying after this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Then Zedekiah, the son of one, came near and smote Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? Whatever. And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, hearken all ye people. Oh, man. All right. So I love guys like Micaiah. I love guys like Micaiah because he was a guy that it didn't matter who the audience was. It didn't matter. He was going to say the truth. And it didn't mean it was easy because Micaiah knew at any point in time he probably could have just died. I mean, at one moment, if you say something displeasing to a king, I mean, you could have been dead. So there was risk involved. But Micaiah was a guy where he loved God and he was faithful to God. And so whatever God told him to say, that's what he said. This is it. This is the truth. This is what God told me. And then even more than that, he ended up saying, put him back into the prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water affliction, which means he's not going to eat anything, by the way. He's going to be tortured until Ahab comes back. And then he turns around and says, if you come back in peace, then God has not spoken by me. Hearken all ye people. I mean, it would have been a scene. And so I'm telling you guys this because Micaiah is the type of guy in the Bible that you want to model yourself after. Now, Jehoshaphat would have heard all this stuff. He would have heard all this. And so what did he choose to do? What did he choose to do? Verse 28. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. See, that was a perfect opportunity for Jehoshaphat to step down and say, you know what? God's not in this. I'm out. But he didn't. You know why? Because he joined affinity with Ahab. He married his son to Ahab's daughter. He already had a previous commitment to this guy, and he felt like he couldn't back out. Don't ever put yourself in that type of a situation. So what ends up happening is that, and I don't, we don't have time to tell you the rest of the story, so I'm just going to tell it to you. So what ends up happening is that Ahab ends up um, saying, all right, I got a plan. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your clothes and I'm going to look like you. I'm going to make it appear as if I am Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, you can appear to look like me. And so that's what they did. They went into battle. They both wore each other's clothes. 
And so the, in, the, the Syrians basically said, um, all right, I don't want you to, to attack anybody but the king of Israel. So they didn't want to kill anybody else except for Ahab. And so they went and they found Jehoshaphat. And then what ends up happening, they get close to Jehoshaphat. They find out it's not Ahab. And so then what ends up happening on the other side is that Ahab finds himself in a situation where he gets shot and he ends up dying anyway. So it didn't even matter. So Ahab was a guy who he thought he could try to escape God's will or God's calling or God's judgment or whatever you want to call it and ends up just trying to contrive his own plan in order to escape the judgment of God and it's just not going to happen. And that's a great picture too. So what does this have to do with friendships? What does this have to do with friendships? Look at chapter 19 and we'll end with this. And Jehoshaphat, the king of, it, of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, and that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. And there's other stuff that he did there too. So here he has consequences because he ended up helping the ungodly man. So I wanted to give that as a great example to you. And there's more that's here that you can say about Jehoshaphat because this wasn't the end for Jehoshaphat. In fact, from this point, it was kind of a, uh, a point where he ended up coming back to the Lord and kind of renewing his commitment unto God. And he went out and he ended up doing things that were absolutely fantastic. He ended up being even more strong with the Lord because of his poor choices and his poor mistakes. So um, there's some great stuff here with Jehoshaphat. But I wanted to show you this example because this is probably the best example in the scripture that correlates with you guys on 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 your friendships with people and how they can affect you and that when you end up joining leagues and being close 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 friends that are evil that want nothing to do with god it's really only going to bring you down and there's going to be further consequences for it so that's all we got time for this morning um paul and barnabas there's those passages would be great great passages to look at i know i say that a lot but i mean it um, when I was in high school, I often would take my study sheets and just put them aside and never see them ever again. And I would guess for the majority of you, that's what you do. Um, I would recommend not doing that. Uh, go back and look at some of this stuff. Um, Paul and Barnabas are a great, great team up where they did some great things for God. Take a look at those passages. You will be blessed by it. Tell me. Oh, you will. You will. And then the other thing to write down, if you can, on your guys' study sheet is uh, take a look at Achan and Joshua 7. We don't have time to look at that today, but Achan and Joshua 7 is another example about how your sin and the things that you choose to do that violate God will most definitely affect other people. It most definitely will. So be careful who you pick as your friends and really evaluate who are your closest friends. And maybe you need to get some new ones. Maybe you do. Or maybe you've had, had some friendships with some people where you know you kind of lost sight of really holding each other accountable and trying to help each other walk with the Lord. Maybe you guys need to start doing some stuff like that again. Whatever the case might be, you guys really need to evaluate that. Our youth ministry is a place where I want you guys to always be friends with each other. And I know, and I know that right now in our youth ministry, some of you guys are not really close with each other. And I'm not going to pretend about that. Um, I want it to be different. But the only way that can be different is if you guys actually want to do that and actually start kindling some of these friendships together. So I would love for that to happen, but I can't make stuff like that happen. That's up to you guys. Um, well, no, no, you can't. No, you can't. Thanks, Jesus. No, you can't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't work. You can try, but it doesn't. It doesn't really work. So, all right. So let's go ahead and pray. 
God, thank you for our time this morning, and thank you for that story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab, and just what a great reminder of what our uh, ungodly friends will will do in our lives. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just convict us and teach us and draw us closer to you through all these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.